0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The devastation from the earthquake, that information continues to come our way and the numbers are going to change throughout the day. Right now, that number from that 7.8 magnitude quake southeastern Turkey into northern Syria has left over 2,300 people dead. And the number of quakes still happening is quite incredible. This swarm that has taken place and we're not talking about small little things here. The quake that hit early this morning was 7.8. Some of the aftershocks were 6.7. As a way of comparison, the Northridge quake of 1994, Northridge, California, a place I used to live, did not live there in 1994, was a 6.7 that did $20 billion worth of damage, 1994 numbers. In a city, in a state that builds itself To be prepared for earthquakes. We are nowhere near knowing the amount of damage that has taken place. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. And this is an incredible uh, uh, week of stories or day of stories. You know, we said this last week. There's just one thing after another going on. We now have the story of the FBI arresting a man and a woman alleged, in an alleged uh, plot to attack the power grid. Both of Florida charged out of Baltimore is the story, telling an FBI confidential source that the woman in this planned to target five substations, including in Norrisville, Risertown, uh, Reistertown, and Perry Hall this according to the baltimore banner therefore putting an end to power within the whole city of course this is something we're paying attention to after watching this balloon this oh so innocent balloon just making its way across the country like it's like it's no big deal Whatsoever, no, no, is just no, Absolutely amazing. was what happened and the cover-up, the one-two punch. Let's start with what happened. This balloon, I'm, I'm going to engage this chronologically based on the latest information that's out there, and admittedly, admittedly, that could change. That could definitely change. What's out there? Is that we knew about this balloon? The United States knew about this balloon when it was crossing the Aleutian Islands. A l e u t i a n Aleutian Islands. Look at a map, guys. The Aleutian Islands. Aleutian Islands are part of that archipelago that comes off the southern tip of Alaska. This series of islands, which makes up that that sweep, that kind of creates the the border of the bottom of the bering sea separating alaska and russia well that's where it was first seen according to multiple sources why it wasn't shot down then is a worthy question that is allowed to be asked instead the balloon was allowed to traverse uh, around alaska down canada and to into the united states where of course it was seen in montana understand that we were not told about this from any federal authorities it was seen because somebody in montana looked up in the sky and said hey it's a balloon and they turned to their friends and said, Tommy, do you see the balloon and tommy's like i sure do Polly. because uh, in in montana there's two guys tommy and paulie oh oh they just love to look up all day and they saw the balloon and then they were like hey Everybody, check out the balloon. Look at the balloon Tommy and Polly found. I'm like, oh, we didn't find it. We just happened to be looking up like we usually do. And there it was. And someone took a picture and put it in the paper. And the next day, people were like, uh, what's that? And then, of course, you learn that it's a Chinese spy balloon. When Joe Biden was told about this on Wednesday, still do not have an update on whether or not Joe Biden was actually notified of this in the days prior. The claim is he was notified on Wednesday, which is a strange claim to make if we know that the federal government knew that this balloon was happening in the days prior. I mean, the commander-in-chief wasn't told? Weird. But on Wednesday, when Biden makes the claim that he first knew about this balloon... His words were, we got to shoot the thing down. Shoot down the balloon. And let me tell you, he, he, was, he, he, he was talking tough. He was getting serious about the stuff, too. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. So, you know, that's actually a direct quote from, from Joe Biden. That's a true story. So he wanted to shoot it down. He was convinced by those who serve in the military, in the Pentagon, to hold off. Hold off because, well, you've got people down below. And as many Americans said, people down below in Montana, um, not as many people as you think. And I'm not anti-Montana. I am pro-Montana. But if the balloon was over Indiana and someone said, well, you can't shoot it down, a lot of people in Indiana, I'd say, wait, 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 where in Indiana? I live in Indiana. Sometimes you got to shoot a balloon down. Sometimes you got to force it down. Maybe you don't shoot it down. Maybe somebody just goes up there with a pin. Ping. Maybe we need a kid with with a slingshot. A lot of ways to take this thing down. But they said, we can't take it down right now. So they waited until Saturday when the balloon was off the coast of South Carolina. And then they said, all right, now we'll go about shooting the balloon down and that's what they did that's what they did they shoot the balloon down and and one of the things that's super weird is that as this is happening you would think that this would be a a story the only people who covered the balloon being shot down fox i i, I could not be Leave it. I thought it was just as a matter of ratings, guys. Just as a matter of ratings, you're telling me that you're not going to to uh, focus on this thing until until afterwards. You've got there's a missile in the sky and balloons. This is what people pay for.
1: Only Fox had it. Anything out of the Ukraine war, because we weren't able to d- deter it. And most everything that the Ukrainians General are using King, now, we General brought King, in excuse after me if you, I'm not sure. Pardon me, General Keane. Again, I interrupt you because I'm not sure if you can see this. But this we have a live shot now of this balloon going down. This balloon has been taken oh, down. It is now falling from the sky there over Surfside Beach, South Carolina. So uh, your reaction to this? sir? Yeah, I'm watching it. Well, first of all, well done. Uh,
0: yes, well done. It was a balloon, general. With all due respect, if we can't hit the broadside of a balloon, we've got bigger problems, and we should all learn Mandarin. And I'm not sure who the host was i, 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 I I'm, I'm not sure who that is, but I mean talk about being in the in the seat when the thing happens so we shoot it down over south carolina and the next thing you know you see these statements from from people like the first lady of the united states joe biden and jill biden's statement is oh how thoughtful and how caring, how we did this, how the military handled this. It's just so absolutely positively wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thoughtful? Caring? What are you, what are you talking about? I am happy to cheer on our military and their successes, but I don't think any member of the military, anybody who actually has worn a uniform or wears it today, thinks that shooting down a balloon was much of a fight. I think we would consider that the baseline for whether or not we have a military. It wasn't caring and it wasn't thoughtful. It was the thing that you do. And that gets followed up By the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, stating that this shows unequivocally how uh, Joe Biden uh, protects the people of the United States. What are you talking about? This shows it? Taking down a balloon as you should? This was it. This was the Defense Secretary. Let me quote this to you. This afternoon, at the direction of President Biden, U.S. fighter aircraft assigned to the U.S. Northern Command successfully brought down the high-altitude surveillance balloon launched by and belonging to the People's Republic of China. Today's deliberate and lawful action demonstrates that President Biden and his national security team will always put the safety and security of the American people first while responding effectively to China's unacceptable violation of our sovereignty. This is about Biden putting the American people first? If that's the case, why wasn't this thing shot down over the Aleutian Islands, you know, on the west side? What are you talking about, you crazy person? But this was not the first example of propaganda being pushed by the Defense Department on the American people. Because what comes out next, after of course, I gave it to you in, in, in its actual chronology. That isn't how the story actually developed. It was only after this that we learned this idea of wait a second. You this this you knew about this days before, the illusion Islands, So so what's the story here? Why wasn't it taken down then? And that's when you start hearing the stories about Donald Trump. Hello? That you hear that three balloons entered U.S. airspace while President Trump was in office.
1: O-M-G. Are you kidding me right now?
0: That's right. Three balloons. And you're like, well, we know this isn't the first balloon, but three balloons? Why is this the first we're hearing of it? Well, it turns out, according to President Trump, Hello? It's the first he heard of it. He had put out on social media take down the balloon. Shoot down the balloon. Many people had suggested that. And he's like, what are you talking about? There were absolutely no balloons uh found across the US when I was president and Mark Esper the former Secretary of Defense, who we should be clear is not a friend of of, of Donald Trump's, is like, what are What are you talking about? There were there were no balloons. What do you what is this? Defense Department comes out the next day. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, 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 oops. Uh, our, our, our mistake. Our mistake. Uh, it, it turns out um, that the balloons that were flying, the Chinese spy balloons flying over the U.S., uh, we discovered that that happened after Trump had left office. What? F these people. You had the Defense Department putting out cover for Joe Biden, making a claim, well, this also happened with Trump, don't you know? But it turns out that it wasn't even, no one was notified until afterwards. They didn't even know it was happening until the past two years. So now I've got the Defense Department engaged in a propaganda war against us. Going back to Mark Esper, he's asking the right questions.
1: I think it's a a fair decision, if you will, to not shoot it down over populated areas out of fear of hurting somebody or uh, severely damaging property. But you have to go back a few days before then. The question is, uh, when did the Pentagon know that it was entering our our, our airspace? I'm, I'm confident that we knew soon enough that. Once it crossed into that airspace, we could have shot it down over open water. We could have shot it down over very dense, uh, uh, sparse parts of Alaska. We should have shot it down then. But so it it leads me to believe that possibly a political decision was made by the White House not to do so for fear of interrupting the relationship with uh, with China.
0: That takes us to the meeting with Anthony Blinken the White House. uh, I'm sorry, the secretary of state. Because Blinken comes out and says, well, because of this, we're going to have to put the meeting on pause. He was supposed to meet with his Chinese counterparts right now. We're going to put this meeting on pause. Oh, no, no, no. It turns out that the White House was trying to downplay this thing and not let the American people know about it. So the meeting with China could continue. It was only until Tommy and Polly looked up in the sky in Billings and said, hey, a balloon that their whole methodology came crashing down on their heads. So there is no debate. They knew about the balloon. They knew it was flying. They let it fly overhead. They lied about why they didn't shoot it down earlier. Then they lied about what happened to Trump. And now Joe Biden's going to come to the State of the Union and tell you how everything is fine. Oh. Okay, then. I'm Tony Katz. Those jobs numbers seem to defy predictions of a recession this year. Do you still think one is likely? Well, look, you don't have a recession when you have 500,000 jobs and the lowest unemployment rate in more than 50 years. So what I see is um, a path in which inflation is declining significantly and the economy is remaining strong. And um, really, that's a path I believe is possible. And um, it's it's what I'm hoping we will be able to achieve. If. 500,000 jobs puts an end to the talk of recession. Why is it when the jobs numbers came out, Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen, did the market go down? Why, why did that happen? Is it because the jobs numbers were so big that it means growth is going again too quickly, not in, in, in a... Um, logical way and that would cause the Fed to continue to raise interest rates because they don't see the inflationary pressures ending now that's not just because I speak to economists it's well because I speak to economists because we do our studying here try and understand what it is that's happening 500,000 jobs doesn't get you a recession how about the fact that we're still millions of jobs under where we were pre-covid does does that get you there how about the fact that it's still hard to find things on the shelves does that get you there i will not bring up the price of eggs because i can't keep up with the price of eggs it's up it's down it's up it's i don't know Part of it has to do with the avian bird flu, part of it has to do with shipping costs. In either case, best of luck making an omelette. I don't know how Denny's is surviving to be honest. It's a hubris, but it's also, uh, this is taking place on the Sunday show, Janet Yellen there with George Stephanopoulos. It is a softening of the ground to get you the idea of what it is they're going to address with the State of the Union, and they're going to say, "Look at this great, strong economy." I mean, it's it's like uh, Pete Buttigieg saying, "Look, you can't can't deny uh, Joe Biden's results." Is 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 that right? Huh? Huh? Ohio Senator J.D. Vance is up next on the balloon. And on the Swamp in D.C., this is Tony Katz today. Grenade, oh yeah. the blade, oh yeah. So the balloon has a couple of different angles in which you can approach it. I'm going to do what I can today uh, to approach it from the angles. And you could argue the big two are militarily and uh, politically. And militarily, Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, he'll be with us a little bit later in the show uh, to break down his take about when it was shot down, why the Chinese threat, and of course, as, as we've discussed, what it is that our own Defense Department did in trying to defend the indefensible and, and really lying to the American people. That's what happened. Americans were lied to. But then there is, well, maybe how this plays in the political. How does this all play out? And how does this play out in the backdrop of what's coming tomorrow, which is the State of the Union, which, of course, I will have full coverage of, guys. I'm going to break down the State of the Union in so many different ways. It's going to be incredible. I watch it so you don't have to. That's love. That's real love. There's also a tremendous amount of bourbon. There's also cigars. Uh, I, I I have a full cadre of compliments to be able to handle such a thing. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you find everything tonycats.locals.com but it is it is with this lens uh that I, I speak to Senator JD Vance of Ohio freshman uh, senator uh lot of national attention uh and spoke to to the senator uh about well the, these these things in the backdrop of the State of the Union and started with this balloon and this shooting down, and what's his take?
1: Well, I certainly think it was the right move to shoot it down. I think they probably should have shot it down before it traversed the entire continental United States, flying over multiple air bases, multiple nuclear stations, Uh, and I don't know why they they didn't. I also worry a little bit that the way that they shot it down uh, may make it harder to recover because obviously you want to recover the debris so that we understand what the Chinese were actually doing. The other weird thing about this story that I think not enough people have picked up on is that for about 24 hours, the story became from the press based entirely on anonymous sources from the Department of Defense, that this had happened during the Trump administration, too. And then it sort of turned out that actually that was not true, that these people were taking these anonymous sources and treating them as gospel. And so the media really is is shown itself to be a farcier uh, yet again. Um, but it's, it's pretty ridiculous that they immediately transition to blaming Donald Trump for something that didn't happen when he was in, was in office, that clearly happened during Joe Biden's term. And I, I just found that so bizarre. I mean, I understand the Biden administration blaming somebody else. I don't understand the media picking it up and running with it as if they're state propaganda.
0: It, it seemed on that propaganda conversation, a conversation I've been having on my shows, it seems, sir, a little bit worse that it wasn't so much the Biden administration via Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, putting this out. This was Secretary Lloyd Austin in the Defense Department putting this out. Have there been conversations amongst your peer set about whether or not this is something as a as an activity that can stand?
1: Well, certainly uh, there have been some conversations between me and my peers about how, how unacceptable this is. And I, I think a lot of us just want some answers from the Biden administration. If you think of you know, our, our, one of our basic constitutional roles is oversight, the Biden administration has not been forthcoming about what's going on, why this happened, uh, why they allowed it to traverse the entire United States. I mean, there's just a lot of open stuff here. And I, I think it's pretty preposterous. I mean, given how preoccupied the country was, at least I know I was over the weekend with with what was going on, uh, you would expect the president to at least come out and say, well, this is what's going on. The fact that they don't feel the need to provide answers is, is pretty revealing.
0: Talking to Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio, uh, move it over into this debt limit conversation, which of course is going to be mentioned by President Biden at the State of the Union, as you've described it on Fox News, doing nothing about the debt ceiling is irresponsible, but what you've been told is that it's wrong to look at the debt limit and have a conversation about spending. The debt limit just has to be raised; otherwise, you're un-American or whatever it is and they decide to throw uh, at you. What is the argument that you make to Americans about why the debt limit, that debt ceiling, is the right time to talk about spending?
1: Well, it's pretty straightforward. There's two arguments, I'd say. One is constitutional; the other is historical. So constitutionally. Um, we have divided government in this country, and the Biden administration does not get to tell the Congress how to spend money. In fact, the Congress, especially the House of Representatives, is where the spending power really rests. And so it is necessary for us to have a conversation about putting the country back on, on a sustainable fiscal pathway before we raise the debt ceiling. If you think about this, any household, when they're thinking about how to pay their debts, they also talk about how they're going to bring money in, how they're going to cut where they need to. That's a natural conversation. It's something we need to have here. But, but but also, if you look historically, very often when debt ceiling conversations have come up since the 1980s in this, in this country, we also have a conversation about how to put the country back on fiscal sanity pathway. And that's what the Biden administration is refusing. They're coming in saying we demand a clean debt ceiling negotiation. And my response to the Biden administration is, number one, that's not how it works. Number two, that's not how it's ever worked we need to get the country's finances back on path this is an important and useful time to do it
0: when we talk about the, the totality of the finances sir talking to senator jd vance of ohio are we talking about specifically a conversation of debt to china are we talking about the overall debt or are we having a conversation about we spend on specific things that provide us no value or really shouldn't be the purview of the federal government to begin with if it's that last one have you uh, taken a look at or have you um, diagnosed, if you will, uh, programs that we have that we shouldn't spend money on anymore? Specific sure. examples? Because they always ask for the specific examples.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of what the federal government does, especially if you divide the mandatory, which is Social Security and Medicare, from the discretionary, which is you know all of the COVID emergency spending we've been doing over the last couple of years, let me just throw a statistic out at you. So in 2019, uh, we spent, as a federal government, $4.4 4 trillion, a lot of money. In 2022, we took in $4.4 4 trillion, again, a lot of money. But if we just got back to 2019 spending levels, we would have a balanced budget. Well, what's happened in the last few years is that we had this COVID emergency spending approach, which is still going on in some ways, and I think that we just need to get back to normal uh, at both as a country, we need to accept that the pandemic is is whatever it is, and we're not going to control it anymore. But as a as a federal government, we need to stop spending so much money that we don't have. And that's really, I, I think, the simple thing here. Uh, another way I, I guess I'd look at it is so much of the federal government has been weaponized against the citizens of the country. If you think of the leadership of the FBI going after parents, peacefully protesting at school board meetings. If you think of the EPA using climate change as, as, a, as a pretext to shut down lawful businesses and to harass people, if you think of the IRS going after people for their politics, we need to defund major parts of the federal government so that they can stop being weaponized against the American citizenry. And I think if you do those two things, defund the woke and weaponized government and also get back to a pre-COVID world, We actually come pretty close to a balanced budget, and that's what we should be focused
0: on. It's your first month as a U.S. senator. You had a heck of a race against the former congressman, Tim Ryan. You dealt with a national press coming at you hard and heavy, firing from all sides. It's been 30 days. On a level of one to, wow, this really is a swamp, how would you rate it?
1: (laughs) Uh, like a nine, I'd say. It, really? it, it's definitely very swampy. Yeah, it's definitely very swampy in Washington D.C. And look, here, here here's the basic problem: it, it, it's that a lot of people make a lot of money off the corruption of Washington D.C. Uh, that's just the nature of the town. If you look at the wealthiest zip codes in America, a lot of them now are within a 20 mile drive of the U.S. Capitol. That, that's not a coincidence. And so, the corruption's pretty much there for all to see. It's not a mystery. Uh, but but we have to send better people to Washington, D.C. to make sure uh, that the corrupt people don't actually trump the will of the people. And I, I will say, as swampy as Washington can be, um, there, there are actual reasons for optimism. You know, I know you guys have Jim Banks running in Indiana. I've endorsed Jim Banks. He's a great guy. We'll make a great U.S. senator, I think, for the state of Indiana, but also for the whole country. Um, but, but there. Are, more importantly, I think our people have woken up to how corrupt things are, and so there's this willingness to fight back from the grassroots that I haven't seen in my in my 38 years. And I, I think that's the foundation on which we can build something very special.
0: You bring up uh, Jim Banks, congressman from the Indiana 3rd, running for a Senate. Uh, there was a conversation that former Governor Mitch Daniels was going to get into the race. He decides not to run. There was a conversation that Victoria Sparks from the uh, Indiana 5th, full disclosure, my member of Congress, was going to run. She announces she's retiring after this term and she's finished. Uh, Jim Banks has uh, ostensibly cleared the field. You endorse, and then he clears the field. That's power, sir. But I think the the, the bigger question is, you get Jim Banks into the Senate, you're into the Senate. What actually changes? What should people look for as the palpable change that a guy like yourself, that you believe a guy like uh, Congressman Jim Banks is going for?
1: Well, let me just highlight just a couple of of big differences. I think if you get a critical mass of of good conservative senators in in Washington, D.C. So, number one, at the end of last year, we had a major omnibus package move through. It's effectively a multi-thousand-page spending bill that nobody had read. Nobody really understood what was even in it. I think things like that are unlikely to pass if you just get a couple more good guys, and they're impossible to pass if you get 10 more good guys in the United States Senate. The second thing is over this debt ceiling increase. There are those like me who say, yes, of course, we're going to pay the debts of our country. We also need to stop spending way more money than we actually have in this country. Stop getting to a point where we have to raise the debt ceiling every nine months. Uh, That becomes a much easier conversation to have when your negotiating partners are not stabbing you in the back. And I think that's really the posture here. We're going to see what happens on this particular debt ceiling fight. I think there are enough good conservatives in the House that Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, has a good negotiating position. But, man, it would be awesome to have some, some more firepower in the Senate.
0: Senator J.D. Vance, you can check out his site at Vance, V-A-N-C-E Senate gov, Vance Senate gov. Sir, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. We've got more coming up. I'm Tony Katz.